Good morning. Y'all look so beautiful. Don't you agree? <laughs> well, if you could see from where I was standing, you would agree with me. Um, and you're beautiful because you are the people of the Lord. And God's glory looks good on you. Amen. So be encouraged. Uh, so good to be sharing with you this morning. Uh, if you're here for the first time, love to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today, we are starting a new series. So we finished the Resolve series, and in that series, Pastor Doug kicked it off just by challenging us to live fully into our life in Christ. And Philippians chapter 3 was the passage that we were working out of over a few weeks. But in that series, he issued a challenge that we would ask God uh, to give us a word specifically for us that we could live into. And many of you have done that, and so I want to encourage you to keep living into that. If you haven't gotten a word yet, just hold on and hang on. Uh, maybe it's coming. But just keep holding on and seeking God's face in that. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to join us in that series, you can always go to the website and listen in online, or you can go right over to the books, uh, the library, and they have CDs available over there that uh, they would be more than happy to get into your hands. Also, before I move into this next series, I just want to remind you that on the 10th and the 11th of this month, we're going to be doing baptisms. Amen. How many of you remember the last baptism service that we had that was open baptisms? Do you remember that? It was a powerful service. Yeah, you can clap for it. You can. That's cool. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe you're in a place right now where you've been following and you know that the Holy Spirit is tugging on you saying, hey, it's time to step into the water. Time to get baptized. Well, now's your opportunity. And so if you're interested in being baptized, you feel like God's tugging at your heart, you can register at the information counter right, out, right outside these doors or you can register on the website as well. Uh, we'd love for you to choose to be baptized on the 10th and 11th. Be good. So this new series that we're beginning starting today is an interesting one. And um, we're going to delve into a book that you might be familiar with. And I'm going to ask if you are not familiar, if you are familiar with it, to do what we have to do every time we come to God's Word is to lay our assumptions aside, the things that we think we know, uh, because we don't ever want to carry the attitude like we've mastered God's word, right? God's word is so deep that every time we come into it, he can come to his word, he can pull back the covers a little bit more and just leave us like, oh, I didn't see that before. So as we engage in this series, I ask that you would come to it with a sense of, okay, Lord, Open my eyes to see this book afresh. Don't let the old stuff, the old good stuff that you revealed to me, stand in the way of me seeing something new or stand in the way of, of you showing me something new because we always want to be open to God opening our understanding. Amen? All right, so the title of this series is called Risk. Risk, living courageously in times of uncertainty living courageously in times of uncertainty. And we have need of courage. Uh, when you think of the word courage, it means to take heart or to be strong. 
How many of you know what the number one commandment in the scriptures is? Fear not. I heard it over there. Fear not. Fear not. Well, if we're to fear not, that means we're to take courage, uh, to take heart, to stand strong. And uh, Paul, he encouraged the Corinthians in the book of Corinthians. He says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything with love. But even Paul commanded the church to be courageous because this is a command that comes from God, to be courageous. Now, if you have your Bibles, please turn them to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. This will be our location for this series. Lots of good stuff in there. Uh, By the way, Ruth, I believe, is the eighth book in the Old Testament. And if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, and if you think, man, that's just the Old Testament, we in the new now, we doing a new thing, let me tell you, the God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. And there's so much life in those books and in those narratives. And so we're looking at the book of Ruth, which in the Bible is considered one of the historical books. And so, by the way, you know there's only two books in the Bible named after women. And Ruth is one of them, Esther being the other, but it makes you scratch your head and ask, who is this woman? that she has a book named after her. Who is she? Well, you at the book of Ruth? All right, here we go. Let me get to it. (laughs) All right, reading, beginning at verse one, it says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion. They were the Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, not Oprah. (laughs) And the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Mahlon and Chilion died, so that the the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's stop there, because a whole lot just happened in such a few passages. A whole lot. Well, Let's look at the context of this a little bit. First of all, the writer who is telling us this story through the eyes of Naomi, who is the wife of Elimelech. And right there, you know, when you read stories, sometimes they start off like, far away in the land of, or 
in the beginning, long ago. Here it has, in the days when the judges ruled. Well, back then when the listeners heard that, they would have been like, oh. So what do they mean when the judges ruled? Well, as you know, the book that comes before Ruth is the book of Judges. And that was an interesting time. But just to give you a feel for what happened during that time period, period, uh, let me read some passages from the Judges for you. All right, are they up there? It says, Judges 2, 10, it says, and all that generation, talking about the generation of Joshua, because Joshua was the leader to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, all of the, all, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That's a way of saying they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. The next slide. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Some tragic information. But in the listeners and the hearers of this story, it would have brought them back to that time where God had brought them in. He fulfilled his promise to them, brought them into the promised land. And when they were there, when Joshua died, it says all of that generation passed away and there arose another generation who did not know the Lord and they forgot the stories of all that he had done. It's important that we transfer the faith from generation to generation. And it's interesting, Pastor Doug pointed this out yesterday when he was doing the baby dedication. It's interesting that we're doing the baby dedication, that we did them on a day when we start this series. As a reminder of, we don't just do this for the sake of ritual or just to do it and be fancy, but know what we're saying is that as a community of faith, we are going to take an active role in making sure that the next generation does not forget about God. It's important. Now, see, what happened in the book of Judges, there was this pattern that happened. When the people would lose sight of God, they'd fall in idolatry, worship other gods, and then God would raise up a judge who was a leader. And that judge would be the spiritual leader of the people, pointing them back in the direction of God. But when that judge passed away, they would fall into idolatry again. And as they fell into idolatry, they would begin to call out to God. God would hear their cry, raise up another judge. You may have heard of some of the names of these judges. Uh, Ehud, anybody heard of Ehud? A few of you, you, you got to check out the book of Judges. To say the least, it's an interesting book. Lots of crazy things happen in the book of Judges. How about Samson? Any of you know Samson? Samson was a judge. Deborah, she was a judge. So you have these judges who were raised up. But anyway, they're saying this is a time when that happened. Now, I I need to pause here because I'm going to show you that this is a place where we need courage. 
I think we need to listen to the writer and author C.S. Lewis, that we take his warning seriously, that we do not become chronological snobs. That we don't think, oh, that was those primitive people back then, not us. We know how great our God is. We will never forget. Ah, no. We must really realize that though we're reading this about what happened long ago, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's me too. <laughs> That's me too, Lord. Uh, straighten my heart. And so we need to live courageously in times where the culture of the day is one that flip-flops. You know, where people are saying, hey, this week, truth is this. And then next week, oh, no, 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 truth is this. And truth changes with the trends of the day. But we must be a people who stand with courage and we realize, no, we have the ability to stand alone, that we won't be caught up in the spirit of the age, that we can do like Paul exhorted the church in Rome when he said, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need courage to stand when the culture of the day is flip-flopping. All right, but back to the story here. So we read that there's a famine that happens in Bethlehem of Judah. And when this famine happens, you know, people got to figure out what they're going to do. Now, the famine could have been a product of their disobedience because Scripture does say in the Old Testament that whenever the people disobeyed God, that the land would suffer from it. Their crops would suffer from it. And so this family is thinking, man, how can we survive? Well, I heard that they've got some grub over in Moab, so why don't we kick it over there for a little bit? And so here's a map here. You see where Bethlehem of Judah is, which would be, if we're facing this way, on the left side of the Dead, of the Dead Sea. And it would have been like a seven to 10-day journey crossing over where the River Jordan is into the land of Moab. So this family, they go to survive. Hey, we're, we're going to survive because we know that they've got bread over there and we should be okay. We should be good. And so they're taking this huge risk of going over there, not really knowing what will happen, but they heard there was food. And so hopefully they should be okay. But we're looking at a seven to 10 day journey. And so Moab, they're in the land of Moab. They're there, kicking it, enjoying themselves. And we read that as they're there, all of a sudden, Elimelech dies. The husband of Naomi, the patriarch of the family, uh, the one who they're looking to for guidance and leadership, he dies. Now, if you know anything about these times, you know that the women depended upon the men in this patriarchal society. That her wealth, her status, it was connected to her husband. And he's gone. The grief that happened. You know, they planned to be in Moab a little bit of time, then they were gonna go back, but he dies. Oh, how her heart must have suffered. 
But I mean, it wasn't too bad because there was provision. She had two boys. And another part of this culture and tradition is that the oldest son would be given a double portion of the father's inheritance to take care of his mother, the widow. So she was okay. She was good. And these two boys, they decided that, hey, we're here in Moab, so Moab, so we're going to do what Moab's, Moab, Moabites do. And so they took on Moabite wives, one named Ruth and the other Orpah. Now, this is interesting because in Deuteronomy, it tells us about some people who shouldn't ever be in the assembly of the Lord. And the Moabites happen to be one of those people groups. That scripture says they should not be in the assembly of the Lord. And these two Hebrew boys have taken on Moabite wives. Ruth is one of them. She's a Moabitess. But she's got a book named after her in the Bible. Who is this woman? Well, just to give you a little glimpse into the future, you know, have you ever been reading the genealogies in the Bible and you like, and the only one word you remember or could pronounce is the begot? <laughs> so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, begot, begot. Well, in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, there's a couple of women named there. And one happens to be Ruth, the Moabitess. Who is this woman? Who is she? I mean, they weren't supposed, they weren't supposed to take her as a wife. He wasn't supposed to take her as a wife. And this woman ends up in the genealogy of Jesus? But not only in the genealogy of Jesus, it's another sneak peek, another part of the trailer for the book. At the end of the book, we're told that her great-grandson was a king. But not just like King so-and-so but the greatest king in Israelite history, King David, the dude that slayed the giant, dude that killed the lion and the bear for just messing with his sheep. I mean, the dude was a man's man, but yet the dude was a brilliant musician who wrote some love songs to God. That was her. He was a descendant of Ruth, the Moabitess. Huh, some interesting stuff. But if you want to find out about that, you got to stick around for the rest of the series. <laughs> um, if you want to know who she is. <laughs> um, but I also want to say that there's something else interested about this book that when you read through the book of Ruth, you don't hear the word of a prophet. There is no, thus saith the Lord. There is no word from God. But clearly, as you wade into the book, you begin to become certain of one thing in these uncertain times. Oh, 
God's there, and he's up to something. And so as you, which I would advise, you can read through the book today if you want. You can read through it while we're going through it and just begin to highlight and take notes as you go through the book because, yes, we've got Elimelech, we've got Mahalan, Chilion, we've got Naomi, we've got Ruth, we've got Orpah, but ultimately we've got God and we're gonna learn something about him. All right, so let me open my notes back up here before I get carried away there. All right, so back to Naomi here. She was, she, she was gonna be okay with her oldest son, but he dies, both sons die, and now she is really left without anything but her two daughter-in-laws. What is she going to do? Let me read on a little further, a few more verses in that chapter of Ruth. And verse six, it says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to those girls, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, I may, that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. She's saying, I don't have anything because I'm too old to get connected to a man again. You've still got your whole lives ahead of you Go. See, the other reason that we need courage is because there are times in our life when things don't go as we plan. You know, we think, hey, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you know what? Sometimes they could be plans that, you know, oh, God told me to go to this place, so I know that I'm here. But, you know, when God tells us to go someplace, he often doesn't give us all of the details. You know, we kind of fill in the details. Oh, this will happen like this. I'm going to be like this, and it's going to be all good. Nope. She finds herself, her and her daughter, daughters-in-law, find themselves in a situation where they can't see a way out. And we need to have courage to still trust God when we can't see a way out. What's interesting is that Naomi hears something. She hears something in the fields of Moab. Oh, God has visited our people again. Ah, there's grain there again. We can go back because he's doing something there. And so she turns to go back and tells her daughter, you all, tells her daughters-in-law, you stay here, I'm going back. 
I can't offer you anything, but stay there. Here's my next point, is we need courage to move toward God even when we can't see him. She hears something. She's grieving her and her daughters-in-law. They wept. They cried aloud. They're grieving, and of course they should because we don't want to just skip the grieving part. Sometimes we try to ignore the grief in our life. I remember uh, as, a, as a boy, you know, being raised in church, it seemed like I was there every night of the week. And uh, we would do these things in our small little church where they would say, today we're going to quote some scripture. And if you got a verse that the Lord has put on your heart, I want you to go ahead and pop up like popcorn and say your verse. And, you know, you get people popping up and they, I mean, these people would be breaking it down and it was from the King James where they say, well, thou knowest, and they'd be going on quoting these verses, and you could be like, oh, man, they got some scriptures memorized, and they'd be quoting them with such emotion and such power, and then it would get to someone who really didn't know the word of God, but they just wanted to say a scripture, and they would get up after listening to those long verses, they would get up and they would say, Jesus wept. And, you know, as a kid, you know, we laugh, crack up a little bit. Everybody be kind of like, oh, Jesus wept. Yeah, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. That's the one you remember. But the shortest verse, but such depth to it, that even Jesus experienced a time where he wept. And he didn't rush past it. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you are asking what the world is going on, God, where are you? What are you up to? It's okay to weep. It's okay to turn your complaint into a prayer to him. God, I don't understand. Why would you do this? Why would you do it that way? God, I am so sure of what you told me. Why am I running into roadblocks? Why, why can't I change? Why can't I catch a break? Ruth not able to know anything, she hears that God is moving, and she says, I'm going to go back home. I don't know. I, can't, I wouldn't suggest you ladies follow me. Y'all go back home. Hopefully, y'all can find a, a brother to hook y'all up, but I'm going on. I got to go back, and I, I'm too set in my ways. I ain't, I ain't got time to look for another brother. I, I'm just depending on the Lord. So Naomi starts this journey back home. And so there's a, another verse that I would love to read to you because Naomi is often talked about as the female Job. Because you remember Job suffered a great deal. Everything he had was basically stripped from him. And Job, we find these words in Job 23 Verses 8 through 9 reads as the following. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. 
Job is simply saying, yes, clap for God's word. Yes, it's awesome. He's simply saying, it's like, you know, look, I'm trying to look in front of me. Matter of fact, I'm looking all around me and I can't see him. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he's doing. Have you ever felt like you lost God? But the good news is we may have lost him, but he knows exactly where we are. And the beautiful thing about this, Job says, when he has tried me, when he has tested me, I shall come out as gold. What is he saying here? Well, you know, gold, raw gold only becomes pure gold by some fire some heat, (laughs) and unfortunately, often tough times apply a lot of heat to our lives. And we say things we think we shouldn't, we know we shouldn't have said, I mean, attitudes, a lot of things fly, but when the raw gold is heated up, the impurities come to the surface, and they do this process called skimming, where they just scrape off the impurities. And so in these tough times where we're trying to follow God, but we don't feel him and we want to feel him so badly, he's doing a deep work in us, heating us up because he knows there's gold in that there person. And so he's heating it up and impurities and things in our character are coming to the surface and he wants to do some skimming. But the people who are in the process of refining the gold, they know that when it's in the heat, they can tell when it's ready, when they can see their reflection. And see, God is ultimately not after your comfort, not after your happiness, but that we look like his son, Jesus. It's true that God died for us. He died for our sins. And if we choose to follow him, he didn't bring us all the way here just to leave us and forsake us. And so you might not be able to feel him, but thank God salvation isn't based on the way that you feel. You might not be able to see him, but we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we know that Ruth is in this situation, Naomi is in this situation, Orpah is in this situation, but I told you that Ruth is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Why? Because not only is it a temporary situation, but God's on his way to fixing the whole shebang. And sometimes we're only focused on the right now, but God has the eternal in mind. He has the redemption of the whole world in mind. And so your story and my story, he's working on that while he's working on the whole shebang. God really does have good things in mind. And he didn't bring you this far to leave you. Some of you may be here this morning and you feel like, man, okay, I know I'm not a follower of Jesus but I've been trying to get myself together. I've been trying to get myself ready. And really, it's like the the picture I get is that you're in quicksand. (laughs) And you keep trying to do stuff to fix the situation, and you're only going deeper and deeper in. But in the picture that I get in my imagination, I see the cross being the only thing able to pull you out of that. And some of you, you just need to surrender to Jesus. You need to say, hey, today is the day where I'm going to surrender my life to you. I recognize that salvation is not my work. It's his work. 
and only he can save. See, in the crux of the gospel, it's we can't find him. But he came to seek and save that which was lost. I didn't find him. I think I did sometimes, but he found me. Because I only went searching for him because he was calling my name. See, God has been looking for you. You may be here and you may be like, okay, I'm really struggling with this obedience thing. I want to, but I feel like chains keep yoking me back into the same thing. If that's you, we have a prayer team that's waiting to pray for you. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come now and stand here in the front. And they'll, they'll be wearing lanyards. But this prayer team here, they're here to pray for you and to intercede with you that God will move on your behalf. Also, there was a few things that the prayer team had mentioned this morning in pre-service prayer. Um, The one thing that came up was heart disease. Uh, Something wrong with maybe some person's heart. This could be physically, but it also can be emotionally, like a broken heart, even a wounded heart. They would love to pray for you. And if you say, okay, I know I got something wrong with my heart, but I don't feel like that's for me. Well, you don't have to feel it because it's not about feelings right now. It's just about, okay, God, I'll respond in trust. I'll respond in faith. And the other, which I mentioned, is those struggling. You're just struggling all the way around, struggling to be obedient, struggling to survive. You just need endurance. Lord, I need to be able to hang on. Well, come so that they can pray with you and your heart be encouraged this morning. Stand to your feet. Also, we have our students here this morning, and the prayer team really felt that they should be prayed for. Thank you, students, for responding, because God will meet you because of your obedience. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a God who doesn't forsake or abandon his people. Thank you that we have life eternal through Jesus. Thank you that you did not bring us this far to abandon us. But Father, for every struggling person this morning who are in a situation where they can't see their way out, I pray that they would just receive the abundance of grace to look up and to keep going, to catch a second win, to hold on knowing that although they may not be able to sense or see or feel you, that you know exactly where they are. Father, we pray for those who want to come for prayer this morning, but they are in fear. Father, we just want to say that fear has no place here because perfect love, your love, Cast out all fear. So we say to fear, be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who want prayer, please come. And blessings to you. Waking up the morning, reviving dreams. I feel the wind on my back with promise. Reminding